Welcome back to the Two Amigos. My name is Carter, and of course, my co-host Jorge. This is Finn Maniacs. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, man. How you doing? I am doing great. And I actually have a pop quiz question to open the show for you. And it's actually, uh, I guess pop quiz might not be the right term for it. I'm more thinking, I saw you on Twitter today talking about favorite Dolphin players of all time. And uh, I don't know if I've ever asked you that. And I want you to tell me who it is uh, for you. And then obviously I'll tell you mine. I mean, I, I think I have a few. I mean, Jason Taylor, for sure, I think is, is number one. Uh, Ronnie Brown. That's your one? Yeah, Ronnie Brown was I, – I was a huge fan of his, uh, you know, with a Wildcat even before that. Um, I always liked Chris Chambers, Randy McMichael. I don't know. I think that's like my, you know, my, my Dolphins generation uh, where, where I started actually watching and really being engaged with, with the Dolphins. So anyone in the last five years, Jorge? Did you like I any of the Dolphins? Wake, I, I, like, I like defensive players. Cameron Wake, Richard Jones uh byron right now I, lo- I love what byron's doing off the field so he's he's definitely my favorite player on the roster right now um but yeah i just want to point out that my tweet was not about the players themselves it was about how people in the dolphins twitter sphere get in their feelings when you say that their favorite player could improve somewhat okay what what was the beef going on tell me tell me what i know I, mean, honestly, I had no beef with anyone i'm just like people say like hey guys two needs to improve this and then people that are two fans and we're two fans in this show but we understand that he has to improve on certain things. Right. People just be like, oh, you're just a hater. How can you call yourself a fan? It's like, dude, what? even Tua will tell you he has to improve on stuff. Like, why yeah. do you think he doesn't? Like, it's just ridiculous. Okay, so then give me one player, though. Yeah, I mean, I know it's unrelated to your tweet, I suppose, but it still just jogged my memory on this conversation. What's one player? Just give me the one player. Like the one player I would love to like go out to have beers with. Okay, sure. That's a weird like, way to think Jason of it, Taylor, but yes. for sure, Jason Taylor, for sure. Jason Taylor. Okay. I mean, he's a great guy, obviously. Yeah. I can't slander uh, Jason Taylor. And my favorite is Jarvis Landry of all time. Okay. Isn't that weird that it's so recent? I mean, it's so I, love- I, under- I can understand why. I-, I, can see- I can see why you'd be you'd be attracted to that kind of player. <laughs> Shut up. You know, and I met him. I met him at training camp in like 20, I don't know, maybe it was 24. 20- 16 2015 i don't know what it was but he wasn't very nice to me uh and (laughs) and i don't even care i don't even care how nice i kind of liked it it was like it showed grit it showed that he was kind of a diva and if you're a diva you're talented so So, wait i've got to hear the whole story how was he how was he not nice to you man okay so i'll i'll tell you a little bit of the story so uh, we we went to training camp and there's a VIP section, right? Yeah. And we tried to like kind of me and my father tried to look at the lists of the VIP section so we could be like, oh, yeah, that we're Mr. and Mrs. Johnson and like get in. Yeah. And someone saw us and almost kicked us out. But guess what? They were a University of Iowa alum, just like me. So yeah. they let us sneak into the VIP section. So we get to meet Jarvis Landry that day, Devontae Parker and Ryan Tannehill, like the big three at the time. Yeah. Okay? Uh, Ryan Tannehill, he's just kind of a timid guy, very sweet. Devontae Parker was the same way. Jarvis Landry, I go, <laughs> I say to him, uh, I'm, you're, you're my favorite player. And he goes, mm-hmm. And I, I go, okay. So he really doesn't want to talk to me. And then he just, he took my jersey, signed it really, really, really badly, and then threw it on my head. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Jarvis. Okay, Jarvis. So wait, how old were you? Because 
if, if you were older than 18, then, I mean, Jarvis sounds like a, a jerk, but he's not really a jerk. But if you were under 18 and you were like a kid back then, then he's yeah. a <laughs> Okay, I was, I was like 18. I was probably like 18. Okay. And it, was, it was probably weird to like him as much as I liked him at the time, <laughs> okay? Uh, but- our, let me tell you my story. When I went to the Dolphins game back in 24, it was a season opener to the 2014 season. And I got to the stadium super early and I got lost and found myself inside a restricted area where the Dolphins players, it was basically for, for like season ticket holders, uh, where players basically walked in into the stadium. Right. right. Um, so I'm right there and every single player starts coming in. Like when they, they park the car, they start walking by. I took a selfie with a bunch of them. The funniest one of them was Louis Delmas. If people remember, he was a safety back in the day for the Dolphins. And he was, and I'm like, and this one, like the, the word selfie was just coming about. So, like, hey, uh, Lewis, can we take a selfie? He's like, oh, a selfie. You want to take a selfie? Let's take a <laughs> selfie, man. Oh, my man's going to take a selfie. It was, it was so funny, man. And, and it was great. Um, Ryan Tannehill, he didn't walk by. Like, not all of the players walked by. Some just, like, walked around. Tannehill was one of them. Um, so, like, okay, that's not very nice. Brandon Albert was super nice. He was huge, by the way. Uh, Mike Pouncey was there. He was enormous. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. No, yeah, those. I mean, those moments are great. I mean, and uh, Delmas always seemed like he was he he had like a personality on him. Yeah. So that that makes total sense. Yeah, and, and, and also I, just like I think everyone's experience with meeting Ryan Tannehill is this guy is super boring. But like you like the guy, you like him. But he's, yeah, just, just, he's just kind of like super vanilla. Yeah, let me tell you something. I actually met a Ryan Tannehill doppelganger. Uh, he was my professor at my, you know, when I was doing my master's. He was my sports law professor, yeah. uh, Professor Kaufman. That's uh-huh. going out to you. I know you're listening. Uh, but he is, <laughs> it looks identical to Ryan Tannehill. I promise. Wow. And it's almost like meeting him at that point because yeah. you're not really going to get anything out of Ryan Tannehill. I was like anyways. so close to like, hey, Professor, can we take a picture of you in this Dolphins jersey? Just just for the sake of it. <laughs> and it would have worked. I think yeah, it would have sure just it been fine. It would have yeah, been similar. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yes, like we said, this is the two amigos and we're going to talk some Dolphins. So we'll do uh, some headlines and then we'll talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. Uh, and uh, then we'll get out of here. So the first headline, I think we weren't able to talk about it last week, so that's why it might be a little later, of course, uh, is the NFL honors came out, right? MVP, defensive player of the year, all those things. Dolphins got snuffed across the board. Thoughts on any, on maybe Flores X, what do you got? Look, I actually had started, I had a a bit of a disagreement with, fellow Finmanex contributor Chip Turner on Twitter over this. Because I said, guys, the Dolphins, you know, they weren't, uh, they weren't disrespected. It wasn't the fact that the NFL hates the Dolphins. They just didn't deserve them this year. And I know people are going to pile on me and say like, hey, X had a, like a season for the ages, 10 interceptions, whatnot. Guys, if you watch film on Aaron Donald, there's two, three guys on him on every single play. And yet he was still the NFL leading player on pressures from a guy that plays inside and gets double teamed on every single play. That's just amazing. And he deserved the defensive player of the year. I'm sorry. And I know JJ Watt put out those stats and TJ Watt uh, being a good big brother. And I know we all wanted X to win defensive player of the year. The truth is what Aaron Donald is doing in that position is similar to what Lawrence Taylor did 
playing as an outside linebacker and just completely changing the way defense operates in the NFL. So I'm sorry he deserved it. Coach Flores, Carter, you know how much I love Coach Flores. I've never slandered uh-huh. him. I've never criticized him on the show. I, I won't this time. I will just say this. He lost Coach of the Year when the Buffalo Bills backups put 25 points on his starting defense in a must-win game in Week 17. And that's that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just it. And the other one that's Zach Thomas. I think Zach Thomas should be in the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately for him, this is a team sport where if you're in a winning team, you're going to get much more accolades. He wasn't in a winning team. Uh, and that's just that. And that's why it's important for this team to actually get start winning again. No, and, and I, I'm totally on board with the idea that we didn't deserve either award. And I'm kind of, and I'm kind of sneakily happy that X didn't win Defensive Player of the Year in like a selfish way too, because he's a lot of there was a lot of buzz going. All right, X is going to want to restructure. He's yeah. going to want a lot, a lot more money the minute he wins Defensive Player of the Year. And now that he didn't win, we are we are you know clear sailing on paying him another twenty million a year or something like that. Well, I don't I, know. What I, I, I still think he's going to want. A raise just because Byron Jones is getting paid more than he is, right? To him, to X, and uh, X, by the way, uh, signed with or friend David Carter. We, we were gonna try to get on the show at some point. He was there at the Sumathon. He was great. Um, and I, I know David's not gonna like what I'm gonna say this, but X is able to do what he does because he's got Byron playing on the other side by the book. If Byron's not there, shutting down the other side. X is not able to gamble the way he did this year. No. Yeah. And Byron has never been someone that uh, is an interception machine. Like that's yeah, never been. His down thing. You're just not going to throw it his way. Right. So he's yeah. done that consistently and he continues yeah. to do that consistently. And that's why they pay him accordingly. And so now when you say, Oh, well, let's put a, I mean, X had like one season where he had a terrible secondary and he still had seven picks. Uh, but now you put a one across from him and he's got, he's basically, you know, top five defensive player in the league yeah, uh, because of that other side. So you don't, you don't pay him out of the, out of the butt for no reason. Byron really helped out. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And look, if, if, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm doing my, my very best to make sure that X feels you know, appreciated and, and, and valued by the team. But right now, and I, I'm going to go back to this in, in a little while, but you're already committing a bunch of your cap to the cornerback position. And there, I mean, this team still has some holes. Let's be honest. This team still has quite a few holes. So I'd be reluctant to continue to commit that, that amount of, of money to the, to the to the cornerback position right now between Byron Jones and Saving Howard, they uh, they are worth fourteen point seventy eight percent of the Dolphins cap for next year. That's fifteen percent for two players, right? Uh, Kyle Vanoy is the second team is second after that with six point nine four percent. But you cannot you know continue to make basically twenty percent of your cap going to your secondary. I mean that's just not not the way you build a winning team. So here is a, a plan that I h- would hope the Dolphins were at least considering, and I know obviously people hate this idea, is that you break up those two corners. you got to trade one of them. And I, and I know you're going to hate hearing that, but you know we've heard reports of Devonta Smith saying, 
Noah's pretty good. All right. Noah's pretty good. Obviously, he is athletic as as all as all get out. Uh, he had a pretty bad rookie year, but you know, you picked him in the first round. He is supposed to inherit a starting spot at some point. I think you you trade one of these guys uh very soon. If you can get a first for Howard, I think you trade that. I think you pull the trigger on that. I and think then like, you just wait, 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 wait. Noah. X is not X is not I worth think it should. no, he's worth more than just one first, man. You gotta oh, get okay. at least what, what the Rams gave up for Jalen Ramsey, I think, at this point. If you're gonna trade him, you need to get at least a one and a two and a future one or two as well. Okay, I thought you were going to say don't trade him. That's what I thought no, you were no, going to no. argue look, with me about. I, I, I would not trade him, and I will say this. Noah, and I'm not going to try to destroy his last name, but we all know who I'm talking about here. Um, right. <laughs> he didn't have a poor first season. He actually played very well late in the season when he had to come in for relief for X or for Byron. He had a bad first game, which was in week one against a top three wide receiver after having no OTAs, a very weird training camp, no preseason. I mean, let's not destroy the rookie for having a bad game when he is still is the youngest player in the NFL right now. Yeah, he was like like 20. He was barely, he was barely not a teenager his first year in the yeah. NFL. And right. And like, he was this close to getting a, an autograph from Jarvis Landry like you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I, I, I think that, yeah, let's say you traded X and you open that up and uh, you were able to get like a first or a second or a first, second, a later first. That would be beautiful. Open up some cap space and still have a really good cornerback uh, triplet eventually. Yeah, and just on that, let's also remember that AJ Bowie was released today by the Denver Broncos. I mean, that, right. you know, so let's say, yeah, you, you, you trade away Sabian, you bring AJ Bowie as a veteran guarantee behind Noah uh, to play opposite of, of, of Byron. And, you know, it's not the end of the world, I think. And I, right. I do want to make sure that people know that we are not trashing X. Like we didn't trash Devante Parker last, year, last week. We're just, there's a Dolphins show. We're going to focus on the Dolphins, not on a single player. No, I totally agree. And like, if you get the opportunity, if you were ever going to trade X and there was a little rumors during the year that you were thinking about it, if you're ever going to trade him, he's probably at his highest trade value of all time. After 10 picks, this is when you do it because you can't have two cornerbacks making most of your money. You just can't do it. We have to trade one of them. I think eventually and Right now would be the time to trade X. Yeah. So let's do... Look, he, when, the, when the Rams traded for Jalen Ramsey, they traded two first-round draft picks. Two, two first. Yeah. Right. And, and I would say uh, they and were the fourth the rounder. same level this year. And the fourth-rounder. So, I mean, I think X is worth at least a one and a two this year, a one and a one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were on the same level. Okay. Well, and in terms of... I know we were talking about the NFL honors. So in terms of Flores, I totally agree with you as well. Uh, he didn't deserve to win it. I think I can't think of the Browns head coach right now. What was the Browns head coach's Fancy. name? Who won it? Yes, yeah, Savansky. Yeah, yeah. And he he en- ended up winning it. I don't necessarily agree that maybe uh, that was the choice, but for sure Flores uh, was built a nine and 17, 10 and six team. If you had went to the playoffs, this would be a conversation for the books. You didn't. You're you're not going to give coach of the year to someone who doesn't make the playoffs. It's yeah, just not. Gonna and I remember happen. that quote from Weir Marshall. You know, when the when the original head coach says, "We are great on one thing and one thing only, and that's winning." Right. And the Dolphins didn't win enough this year. 
We all loved the season. It was fun. We cheered for them here. We jinxed them here. We traded tips with Chan Gailey here. Guys, it wasn't good enough. Focus on next year. That's it. And when you get smashed at the end of the year, that yeah. just looks so, so bad. I think that really just uh, pulled the curtain on that whole thing. That was so. it. Yeah, that was it for sure. That was it. Okay. So let's move on to another Dolphins headline. We don't have a ton, uh, but we have, this is kind of just a throw in. They're talking about uh, a lot right now on Twitter about the 17th game, maybe being a road game versus the Giants, I believe. Is that what's going on? So no one really knows what's going to happen with the 17th game. I think what the NFL is trying to do is basically make sure that your team plays. So if your team was seventh in the AFC, they're going to play the seventh place in the NFC. My question is, what happens when you're already going to play that team? Because obviously we play four NFC teams a year. What happens one of those four? Um, so who knows what's going to happen with that, to be honest with you. Uh, look, all I'm hoping is that the Dolphins fulfill their international obligation from last year. They come to Mexico City. Uh, that's all I'm hoping for. Right. That would be beautiful. That would be I very close to you. Dolphins fandom hates it when the Dolphins don't play a home game in Miami. Okay. I'm sorry. You have them for... Eight games a year. We only have them for one, maybe every four years, six years. So shut right. up and let me enjoy this. Okay. I, I was never going to argue on that. I, I think you deserve that game. Okay. So the, the final uh, Dolphins headline for this week is that people have been, you know, talking a little free agency here and there. And Levante David's coming up a ton yep. in possible free agent moves for the Dolphins. What do you think? I think he'd be a great addition, but he's going to be too expensive, I think, for the Dolphins. I, I'm not sure if. This year, when the cap's going to go down, uh, the Dolphins are going to go out there and, and, and get into a bad cap situation again. Um, they've got $15 million from rollover from last year. They're going to have 35 uh, in total this year. So, and you, I mean, you have to basically move, what, 4 to $6 million out of that for draft picks. So, that's $29 million which depending on the kind of contract you give out, I, I think we can get maybe one one premium player, couple of starters, couple of, of, of role players. I would love to see, uh, you know, Devonta David here. I would love to see it. I would love to see Justin Simmons from Denver as a safety as well. And you look, look this, this might not be too popular or too out there yet. And this is something I took from Brandon Howard on Twitter. We, we talked about it there. But if you sign Patrick Pearson and you make him your free safety and you move Bobby McCain back to the nickel spot, I think it's a win all. No, I, th I think that does sure up the, uh, the secondary at least. But when it comes to Levante David, I would have to say, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Jorge. I think the biggest thing with him is I don't love signing uh, people who are about to cash in because you win the Super Bowl, okay? And then after you win the Super Bowl, after you're, you're like, okay, I won some games and now I am you know, kind of uh, stamped on history a little bit. Now I get my money. That's what happens after every Super Bowl. You will see it with the winning players basically every year. Here's the problem. Levante David's going to leave, but in search of like top linebacker, not like top linebacker money. And the problem with that is he's 31, 32. He's got two seasons left, three seasons left of probably his best football. I don't love it, and I'm with you. I think I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, uh, and I think that's one of those things where it has to be a feel thing. And if Coach Flores feels like Levante David still loves football as much as he did before winning the Super Bowl at 31 years old, and he can still bring that 
X factor to this defense and that leadership, that, that hunger, then go ahead and bring him in. If you think that he's not loving football anymore, where he's, as you said, trying to just cash in now, look, I think we've got a good linebacking core and I wouldn't be opposed to selecting one or two linebackers in the third, uh, third plus round this year. Uh, Jabril Cobbs, Byron Browning would be at top of my list in those spots. Um, so yeah, I'm with you there. And when you're talking about, I mean, transitioning a little bit, if you're, if you're talking about Pat Pete at the free safety position, uh, that would be insane. And I think, I think he, obviously he's a generational athletic corner. He's probably one of the most athletic corners of all time. He, he lost a little bit of it, obviously, but putting him in that free safety position would be extremely beneficial. I agree. And I think that if you do that, then you can bring in Brandon Jones, the rookie from last year, to be the starter, the full-time starter at the strong safety position, uh, move on from Eric Rowe, because now you've got Patrick Pearson to shut down, either to play center field back there, to go one-on-one against a tight end, even a slot receiver. I mean, the versatility that this offers the Flores defense would be amazing. I agree. Okay. Well then let's, let's uh, transition one more time to our last segment of the day. Let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl and what it can tell us in uh, you know, in comparison to the dolphins, but I want to open this conversation a little bit by saying, I hate watching the Super Bowl. I think the Super Bowl uh, it, over the last 10 years, I've liked two of them. It's so, so boring. And obviously I'm even pinpointing the Rams and the Patriots is probably the worst Super Bowl of all time. And that was very, very recently. And this last Super Bowl uh, was very comparable. Uh, but what'd you learn, I guess, Jorge? Uh, and how'd you feel? Look, I think this should put you bet the, oh, let's get skill receivers at every draft pick. No. build a damn wall in front of Tua, all right? We saw the best quarterback in the league right now with no offensive line and with the best wide receiver and the best tight end in the game. And what did he do? Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. All right, so get me two offensive tackles, an offensive guard, a new center. Uh, I mean, even though apparently, you know, Ted Karras is going to come back, which is great. He'd be great as a backup, all right? I'd love him to be my backup. But get me Creed Humphrey as my center. Get me Wyatt Davis, Trey Smith in the interior offensive line. Get me one of the many, many offensive tackles. In my big board, I've got at least six with first-round grades. So it's going to be it's, – it's a crazy year when you, for, for, for offensive tackles. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, I think, my number one takeaway. I mean, if you build the team from the inside out, from the trenches out, then you're going to be a dominant team, all right? Yeah, and that's such a preach moment. I, I, I think – like – if you can learn one thing from this Super Bowl, I think you got to learn that. And if you can uh, compare it to one example, you have to compare it to when the Cowboys had the best offensive line in the NFL for a stretch of like five years. Yeah. And they really didn't have an elite quarterback, but every single year they were like 10 and six or something. And there was yeah. that in Dak's rookie year, they went, I think, 13 and three, 14 and two, something insane. That was the rookie year for a lot of those skilled players, but it didn't matter because they had a thousand seconds to complete every single pass. And what, what we can learn from that, right. Is like, it almost doesn't matter sometimes in football who's out there. Cause they're all, you know, incredible athletes. It matters more on, you know, that your quarterback uh, is able to process his reads because somebody's going to be open probably in an NFL play. It's really hard for cornerbacks to cover for 15 seconds. And I'm so on board with just 
building a wall and stop worrying about, oh, three overall, we have to go with the 160 pounder. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, we're not very popular with Dolphins circles right now because we, we continually uh, say we don't want Devontae Smith. Look, I, I ran a mock the other day where I traded back to eighth. Devontae Smith was still there. Pick Devontae Smith there. Pick G Harris at 18. But then from there on out, you have to get me Wyatt Davis in the second round. You've got to get me an offensive tackle in the second round. You've got to get me a center in the third. So I'd rather get, you know, the best offensive tackle in the draft. And then because the white receiver class is actually very, very good one as well. I mean, you've got, you know, Kadarius Tony from Florida. He's going to probably going to be there in the second round. You've got uh, Rondell Moore. He's probably going to be there at 18. Marshall Jr., Surratt, Schwartz. There's a bunch of people that could help this offense in the later rounds. But get me that blue chip talent up front. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, uh, so many, so many examples. And I know we're kind of just really just throwing this, uh, really just beating this point to a pulp. But, uh, you know, there's so many examples of like running backs, like really, really average running backs in NFL history, running for 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns with just an incredible offensive line in front of them. And I think that kind of shows you uh, the, you know, how important to me, at least running back is in the first two rounds, I say Gaskin, but behind an elite offensive line would be one of the best running backs in the league. And I, I know you're not as high on no, Gaskin. No, I agree. As I I agree with you there. If, if you get me that elite offensive line, I think Miles Gaskin would have 1400, 1600 yards kind of right. season. And, and that's all you need really. I mean, but just if right. you give two of that time, because if you give two of the time, then Devante Parker his job becomes easier. Mike Kosicki's job becomes easier. Get me a, a solid number two option. He, his job becomes easier. Lean Bowden's not going to have to catch the ball two lines from the line of scrimmage because Tua had to give it away quickly. He'll be able to, you know, run an actual route and make some people miss after that. So build right. the offensive line. I, I want to be able to go to Buffalo and just run, run, run it down their throats, control the clock in the snow, and just walk out leaving the Buffalo Bills on the pavement, basically. Do you do you remember uh, Peyton Hillis from the Browns? Yes. Um, okay, good. I'm glad. Uh, but he had probably one of the best, uh, you know, running back seasons for sure in a long, long time over the last decade. And he was behind a an amazing Browns offensive line that year. Yeah. And he even was on the cover of. Uh, of Madden at one time. Right. And then you never saw him again. He had some of the worst seasons. He got a huge contract. He fell apart and it it happens way too often in this NFL where we're just like, Oh, this, this person had a one-off season. I wonder what it's about. It was the offensive line. I can promise completely. And you know, I I think, look, this is where I think the dolphins needs are offensive line is number one, two, and three white receiver, the nickel cornerback, the Nickelback, look, I love Nick Needham. I know, I know Jason Sarney from, from Finmaniac loves him as well. Um, we saw what happened when he was targeted in week 17. He was a weak spot for that Dolphins defense. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you need an upgrade at that position. Yep. So, so what's your list again? One, two, three. It's, it's, uh, I think it's one, well, let's, let's say one, line. two offensive line, then wide receiver, then Nickelback, then running back. And then running back. And really the best part of that is that we have enough draft capital and money to yeah. really just solidify all those positions where we should be fine after the season. It's all going to be on two. If you get me an offense, like the elite offensive tackle in the draft, 
some say it's Penny Sewell. I think it's Vera Talker or Slater from Northwestern. Um, you know, if, if you get me one of those, then you're able to move, you know, you, you have to put him at, the, at right tackle because that's the blind side. You know, you could even put Leatherwood there from Alabama as well. But that allows you to move Robert Hunt into the offensive guard position. And then you've solidified two positions with a single pick. Right. And I think this will be the last thing we, we talk about on the show. But I think going forward, based on what we learned from the Super Bowl, and like obviously we're thinking, okay, Mahomes can't, you know, he can't outrun uh, the destiny of his offensive line going Agreed. down. You know what I mean? We, we just, we learned that with a blatant uh, fashion, in blatant fashion. Okay. But what I want to say based on that is, we know exactly what the blueprints are to build this team into a top three team, top four team in what should be by next season. So I think my expectations uh, going into this year, if we play it out right, we should be like 11 and five, 12 and four, win the AFC East, be in the playoffs. And that's what, you know, this is what, that's what this whole show is about being excited going forward. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with your, with your analysis there. And um, look, I think, the Jets are not going to be a contender this year. They're, they're in year one of the rebuild. Uh, the Patriots, who knows what's going to happen with that team. I mean, they've still got Belichick, and you cannot discount them. But until they get a legitimate dra- uh, quarterback back there, uh, you know, I think, I think even if they have an elite defense, the Dolphins should be able to handle them. Uh, Bills, they're very well built. But we saw Josh Allen go back to being Josh Allen in the playoffs. So who knows if he's going to be able to sustain that success. And if, if you look outside the division, I think you've got the Chiefs. And you've got the Browns to worry about, right? I, I, and until I see the Chargers winning some games, I'm not going to list them there, okay? Even though they have Justin Herbert and he, and he played very well last year. Uh, you've got Cincinnati who, you know, it's Joe Burrow on 10 guys on that offense. So I'm not yeah. concerned about them as well. The Ravens, <laughs> I, I think the Ravens are on their way down. The Steelers are a year away from starting a complete rebuild. So I'm not challenged. I, I'm not concerned about them. So it's really the Dolphins, Bills, Chiefs, uh, and Cleveland Browns going forward right now over the, for the next two or three years. And you know, what's kind of funny about the Browns uh, coach winning coach of the year is that, that, that roster is, was constructed, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, almost like the Bucks roster was constructed last year and you went, Oh my gosh, I've never seen this many talented skill players all on one team. And the question wasn't, do they have enough, you know, uh, do they have enough talent? The question was, do they have too much talent? And that's yeah. why I thought it was so funny when the Browns finally put it together and did the bare minimum with your, their talent and made the playoffs. And then their coach won coach of the year. I think with that roster, Flores would have gone like 15 and one. So I, I think it's, they're underperforming, but still I digress. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, I will say this. I think Stefanski deserved to win it because when you have that, that weight of the losing history in Cleveland, Overcoming sure. that is, is not easy. So so I, I will say that that's why I think he deserved it. But a I bad organization. It's a very talented team. They've got a very good quarterback. They've got a great receiving unit, very good offensive line. They've got Miles Garrett on defense. If they can get a premium cornerback, <clears throat> trade for them. <laughs> trade David Howard for the first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, smart. If they get a premium cornerback, I think that they should be the, the favorites to knock off the Chiefs in the championship next year. Wow. Okay. Well, I think that's good then for this week. Yeah. All right. I mean, obviously, uh, this is going to be some slow news here and there going through the next couple of weeks and months. Uh, But obviously, we'll be back 
with the hottest takes as everything comes in on Two Amigos. Uh, I'm Carter, that's Jorge, and we're done for today. Have a good one, guys.